Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Welcome to the Vince Coakley Radio Program. How are you today? Hope everything is going well in your world. Just a preview of some of the things we will delve into during the course of the broadcast. We'll have a couple of positive stories about states fighting back some of the monsters of our time. We'll tell you what those big issues are. Ongoing concern closer to home as we talk about what's happening with COVID, flu, and RSV causing an impact at local hospitals. We'll tell you what's happening. A lot of conversation taking place on the political stage as it relates to the presidential contest. This is about one Nikki Haley. Who is this woman? Is she a person who should lead the Republican Party? Well, a pretty ugly debate is probably getting uglier as Nikki Haley gains in the polls. In fact, the speculation is now she is the alternative for the people who will not be supporting Donald Trump. Is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? Coming up, we'll have a conversation with my good friend, Congressman Thomas Massey, who has been pulled into this very ugly contest. We'll tell you the funny thing that Thomas Massey had to say about one Nikki Haley. And I'm sure she's not very happy about it. We'll address that coming up. Also, we will delve into the presidential contest on the Democrat side. The impact of Hunter Biden and his issues. And what's the temperature on the Democrat side? What do they really think about this man who represents their party? Are Democrats pleased that he is the nominee? We've got some new polling data. Probably not encouraging data for the White House, but we will address that coming up. And Transformation Tuesday, a great post from my good friend Bob Prater that I think goes to the heart of what's really on God's heart in this day and age. I want to begin with a very important couple of state issues. States stepping up to the plate to address vital issues in our society. First, concerns about children. Charlotte Observer headline, North Carolina schools sue social media companies for exploiting addictive nature of platforms. We've talked about this before. These platforms, they have very effective ways of luring in your children and keeping them there for some period of time. That's how this thing works. It's designed to lock your children in. What kind of defense do they have? Uh, not much. 
Several North Carolina school districts have joined this statewide and national movement against social media companies suggesting the platforms harm children's mental health and affect classroom performance. School districts in Union, Wilson, Johnston, Robison, Moore, and Wayne counties among the 12 in North Carolina that have agreed to file litigation against social media giants Meta, Google, ByteDance, and Snap, which own Snapchat. The social media's addictive nature has led districts to commit more mental health resources to students amid rising rates of depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools joined the lawsuit in August, setting an unwavering commitment to student welfare. The Wall Street Journal reported in July nearly 200 school districts had joined the litigation against social media platforms, along with hundreds of suits by families alleging harm to their children from social media. More than a third of 13 to 7-year-old kids report using one of the social media platforms almost constantly and admit this is too much. Yet more than half of the kids report they would struggle to cut back on their social media use. Suicide rates for youth have increased 57% over the past decade. ER visits for anxiety disorders up 11. No, I'm reading this wrong. I want to make sure I... This is 117%. Janet Ward-Black... And Emily Beeson of Ward Black Law in Greensboro, representing many of the school districts, previously told the Charlotte Observer the action seeks to make social media platforms safer for children and hold companies accountable for their detrimental impact on kids. Schools nationwide have been tasked with the growing challenge of addressing student mental health needs, providing outstanding education and cultivating a safe learning environment. These lawsuits aim to make social media companies answer for their role in exacerbating the mental health crisis among young people and to seek compensation for the financial burdens inflicted upon school districts by the exploitive platforms of the defendants. Additionally, attorneys representing 42 states, including North Carolina Attorney General Josh Stein, have filed litigation against Meta. In recent years, it's become apparent social media platforms are harming young people's mental health. Students in North Carolina across the country are struggling. Schools are really having to address this on a daily basis. The defendants in this case need to recognize the harm they're doing and come to the table to address these issues. By the way, Meta said in a statement, teen mental health is a complex issue, calling for greater appreciation of the daily struggles youth face. The company also noted reports from the Centers for Disease Control Prevention suggesting several factors, including the aftermath of COVID-19, have affected young people's mental health. We want to work with schools and academic experts to better understand these issues and how social media can provide teens with support when they need it in a way that acknowledges the full picture, which is another way of saying, uh, we ain't done nothing. We're innocent. We want to help. <laughs> we want to help ourselves to your children's minds and their money. That's what this is about. You know that. So do not be fooled by the posturing of these companies because this is the approach they will take.
they are going to come across as being really concerned. But the truth of the matter is, this is exploitation. They are grabbing at the low-hanging fruit. Who is who could be possibly more susceptible to manipulation by these social media companies than our children? It's really that simple. Love to get your thoughts. Is this a positive thing? Are you glad these school districts have jumped in? We mentioned Charlotte Mecklenburg was already in on this. Do you have any personal stories to share? Maybe it's children, grandchildren. Maybe it's you. Maybe you want to confess your own addiction to social media and how it impacts relationships, job performance, whatever may be going on in your life. Our phone number is 704-570-1110. 704-570-1110. Still to come, we'll talk about another state that is taking action this time. This time. The target is the federal government. And it's... I don't know what you would call it. Intransigence? That might be the best way to describe it. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program. What are your thoughts about this social media issue as it relates to children? You know, we're, we're adults here. Those of you with the sound of my voice... Now, we have a sense of responsibility, at least we're supposed to, and hopefully we have sense, too, (laughs) to be able to know when to turn this stuff off. We have younger people, though, whose minds, whose brains are not completely formed, and they still are so susceptible to the manipulation of these big media giants. Is this the right approach? to go after these companies to prevent them from their manipulative behavior with the algorithms, the other things that are all calculated to keep your children ensnared. That's how this thing works. This is not complicated at all. Another state taking action This on the immigration issue, I've told you before, this is one of those situations where I really believe a convention of states could be very, very handy. See, I'd like to see, I don't know if I've said this before, I would love in a convention of states to hold Washington politicians criminally responsible and civilly responsible for not enforcing the border. See, the states could do this. Come together and make this declaration. And if you're not going to enforce the border, you are susceptible to arrest and prosecution. See, I, I think we're, we're playing games here because the Washington politicians, at the end of the day, they don't care. How is it we can go day after day after day watching these migrants just continue to cross the border? And and we've talked before, we've got these migrants coming from over 100 countries. It's not just Mexico. We've got people flying into Mexico just across the border because they know we are stupid. 
We are lazy. And we don't have the courage to enforce our own border. We don't have the sense to enforce our own border. The reality is, there are politicians and big companies profiting from this. So, Texas decides, we're going to take matters into our own hands. Texas Governor Greg Abbott approved sweeping new powers that allow police to arrest migrants who illegally cross the U.S. border and give local judges authority to order them to leave the country, testing the limits of how far a state can go to enforce immigration laws. I have a bad feeling when this goes up the chain through the court system, the Supreme Court is going to slap this down. That's my concern. Opponents have called the measure the most dramatic attempt by a state to police immigration since a 2010 Arizona law denounced at the time as the show-me-your-papers bill. Give me a freaking break. That was largely struck down by the U.S. Supreme Court. Immigration enforcement is a federal responsibility. And Texas law is also likely to face swift legal challenges. The law, which takes effect in March, allows any Texas law enforcement officer to arrest people who are suspected of entering the country illegally. Once in custody, they could either be in agreement to go along with the Texas judge's order to leave the U.S. or get prosecuted on misdemeanor charges of illegal entry. Migrants who don't leave could face arrest again under more serious felony charges. Greg Abbott, who signed the law in front of a section of border fence in Brownsville, predicted the number of people crossing illegally into Texas would drop by well over 50%, maybe 75 Not offering any evidence for that estimate. But he said the consequences of this are so extreme. The people being smuggled by the cartels, they will not want to be coming into the state of Texas. The law adds another tension point over immigration amid a struggle between the White House and Senate negotiators to reach a deal on border security. Republicans in Congress are demanding changes to the immigration system in exchange for any help for Ukraine, Israel, and other national security needs. The Texas Republicans have increasingly challenged the U.S. government's authority over immigration, saying President Joe Biden's administration isn't doing enough to control the 1,950-mile southern border. That's a lot. Texas bus more than 65,000 migrants to cities across the USA since August 2022 and recently installed razor wire along the banks of the Rio Grande, which has snagged and injured some asylum seekers. Now, the U.S. government temporarily shut down two railroad border crossings in Texas. We're going to talk more about this because this is drawing a whole lot of controversy. They've closed two rail bridges that move freight between Texas and Mexico after detecting a surge in the smuggling of migrants through Mexico by train. So what's going on here? These migrants are just jumping on the trains. The move by U.S. Customs and Border Protection, the latest in a series of similar closures along the border, to redeploy enforcement resources elsewhere in response to large number of migrants. 
the International Railway crossing bridges in Eagle Pass and El Paso were closed in order to redirect personnel to assist the U.S. Border Patrol with taking migrants into custody. After observing a recent resurgence of smuggling organizations moving migrants through Mexico via freight trains, CBP is taking additional actions to surge personnel and address this concerning development, including in partnership with Mexican authorities. The CBP has imposed similar temporary closures in recent weeks, shutting the Lukeville port of entry in Arizona, a pedestrian entrance in San Diego, and a vehicle crossing in Eagle Pass. After the Lukeville closure, Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs ordered National Guard troops to the border with Mexico, saying the U.S. federal government's decision had put public safety and commerce at risk. This is all very simple. You know this as well as I do. Most of these issues are simple. If you care to secure the border, it can be done. But that's the bottom line here. They don't want to. They really do not want to. Because if they did, it would have been done already. It's really that simple. Just absolutely crazy what we are dealing with in this federal government. Because we have a lawless federal government. Is Nikki Haley the solution? Bringing her to Washington as president of the United States? Coming up, we'll have a conversation about her campaign, which seems to be catching fire. But one of her critics is going to join us to tell us who she really is and why this is probably a bad idea. That much more as we continue our Tuesday broadcast. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I've got to tell you, uh, our next guest really has me fired up. I was already fired up when I was reading some of this stupidity associated with one Nikki Haley. Did I already vent about this over the weekend? I watch one of these uh, free channels where, I'm serious, there was a Nikki Haley commercial in about every commercial break. I wanted to barf saying all this stupid stuff about Nikki Haley and what she's going to do. This woman is not going to do squat. She's worthless. And now our next guest really got me fired up because he gave me something else to talk about. Something that is just, it, it, it makes my head want to explode. Because the former president is now going after one of the arguably the most conservative members of Congress and calling him a rhino. Can I just say this again? Donald Trump, this guy is dangerous. He's dangerous. And if we end up having a choice between Nikki Haley and Donald Trump, if that's what this is going to boil down to, God help us. God help us. Very quickly, before we get to our guest... A couple of stories. Washington Post, GOP's Haley attracts non-Republicans and accusations of playing both sides. <laughs> There's a good reason for that. The 2024 hopeful is showing strength among centrist voters. 
but she's also facing criticism for expressing sometimes vague positions on key issues because this woman is a chameleon. That's why I do not trust her at all. Well, let me set the table for the latest dust up. Nikki Haley (laughs) is being dismissed as a brunette Liz Cheney. I'm going to tell you who said this coming up. She slammed her Republican rival, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, for having this friend of mine and congressman on the campaign trail over the weekend. (laughs) This person said she hates free speech as much as she loves war and foreign aid. That's how he responded. Haley called out DeSantis during a campaign event in Iowa on Sunday, a day after this congressman joined him in Iowa. You can't be pro-Israel and bring the most anti-Israel Republican to this state who voted against fighting anti-Semitism on college campuses, she said. And that's who he brought to your state. During an appearance Monday, Haley doubled down on her comments about DeSantis and this congressman, calling him the most anti-Israel Republican there is. He voted with the SWAT against the squad against calling out anti-Semitism on college campuses, voted with the squad against hitting the presidents that were allowing it to happen. That's who he brought to Iowa. So let DeSantis answer for that. Well, we're going to let this congressman answer for himself and talk about the danger that is posed by this. I don't know what this woman is. I really don't. Now to join us once again, my good friend, Congressman Thomas Massey from my former home state of Kentucky. Welcome back, sir. Thank you. I, I told you what she is. She's brunette Liz Cheney. <laughs> um, listen, I'm, I am the congressman from northern Kentucky. Uh, I went to Iowa this weekend to campaign for Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis and I served in Congress together. He and I probably agreed 85% of the time. But I would say he is one of the smartest, most constitutional conservatives to ever serve in the House of Representatives. And that's why I'm backing him. Now, I took a few votes over the last few weeks that have uh, put me sideways with brunette Liz Liz Cheney. Uh, And by the way, I've never attacked her on anything. She came after me. Not... (laughs) Not because she ever cared about me before, but because Ron DeSantis is picking up momentum in Iowa, and she's not going to do well in Iowa. She's trying to find some way to to get in there and get some votes. So the votes that I took in Congress, number one, I did not vote for $14 billion of foreign aid to go to Israel. That's the one I took the most heat over. But Vince, I've not voted for foreign aid to go to Ukraine. I've not voted for foreign aid to go to Afghanistan. I haven't voted for the foreign aid to go to Egypt. I don't vote for foreign aid. We cannot afford it. Preach, okay, man. That's, that's why she calls <laughs> me uh, uh, anti-Israel, because there was only one other Republican. That was uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who voted not to send aid to Israel. Now... Um, I got sideways with some, some uh, the neocons and the and the uh, sort of t- tyranny loving um, totalitarian Republicans on another vote in Congress. They want to censor free speech on campuses. Now, anti-Semitism is horrible. 
I don't condone any form of xenophobia or racism at all. But it's, you know, the, the speech they're trying to, to ban on campuses is protected speech under the First Amendment. And it is not Congress's job to try to go in and regulate speech on campuses. It's just not our job. Okay, we can disagree on this issue. And, and you and I might even disagree on this issue. But that doesn't, that doesn't make me somebody who hates Israel just because I wouldn't vote for this resolution. I support Israel's right to exist. I support Israel's right to defend itself. But I do not vote for foreign aid, and I don't vote for things to curb free speech, as horrible as the speech may be. So anyways, Nikki Haley came after me for uh, supporting Ron DeSantis. She's just trying to get at Ron DeSantis. She's slinging mud because she's desperate. And um, you said she's a chameleon. She is kind of a chameleon, but it's easy to see through it. The dots, you know, they line up perfectly. She loves war. She wants to send money to Ukraine. She wants to send more money to Ukraine. She wants to send more money to Israel. And those, the money that we send there, by the way, is, is mostly gift certificates that are redeemable at your local Lockheed Martin or Raytheon outlet store. <laughs> and, which is why, which is why Zelensky met with those contractors when he came to Washington. Correct. This is money. In fact, the White House sent us a letter in Congress. They sent it to Mike Johnson, urging us to vote for the $100 billion package that, that uh, Joe Biden wants of foreign aid. And their argument, and they mentioned this like three times, is that it will reinvigorate our defense industrial base, uh, oh my the goodness. DIB. They want their dibs on your tax dollars. So they're calling it the DIB now. It used to be the MIC, the Military Industrial Complex. And that was literally the argument they made to us for why we should vote to send your money overseas. Um, Absolutely anyway, crazy. That, well, here's, here's what's interesting. There's a common thread between Donald Trump attacking Chip Roy and Nikki Haley attacking me, and that is Chip Roy and I were both in Iowa this week. And you can call us a lot of things, but to say we're not conservative... Oh, gosh. If, if we're like, look at all the scorecards. Don't get to, don't get me started on this. Uh, please tell me you can hold through the break, Thomas yeah, Massey, because uh, I want to save this. Uh, this when you sent this to me right before you went on air, I just about blew a gasket because I looked up Chip Roy's Liberty Score and I read the stupid tri drivel that Donald Trump has posted. This man is a delusional fool. Uh, I'm not putting these words in your mouth. I'm saying this. We're going to come back and talk with Thomas Massey about how he's gone after Chip Roy and wants a challenger to him and called him a rhino. We're going to talk more about this. And this is another example of why we cannot reelect this moron, buffoon, jackass ever again to the White House. This is a destructive man who does not belong in the White House. I'm going to tell you more why as we continue our conversation with Congressman Thomas Massey. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Yeah, I've already triggered the snowflakes. This one posted on social media, no thanks. I'm only interested in tuning into people who are good for our country. <laughs> like who? Donald Trump? This man is only concerned about one person himself. And I don't mind saying that. If you want to go and you want to listen to people who are going to pucker up on this guy's ass 24-7, go for it. I'm tired of it. This is what Thomas Massey sent to me before our conversation here. It's a social media post from Donald Trump. Has any smart, energetic Republican in the great state of Texas decided to run in the primary against Rhino Congressman Chip Roy? For the right person, he's very beatable. If interested, let me know. So I thought, just for the heck of it, for humor, because I'm sure I know Chip Roy is not a rhino. I did my little search here of conservative review, and do you want to know what Chip Roy's liberty score is? It's a freaking 100. What the hell are you talking about, Donald Trump? Rhino. Do you know what a rhino is, according to Donald Trump? Let me just tell you right now who a rhino is to Donald Trump. Somebody who doesn't come up to him and pucker on his ugly ass. That's what a rhino is to Donald Trump. And I am sick and tired of this. This is anti-American. It's slander. And no American should sit by and, and watch, especially conservatives. As this guy just basically takes aim at anybody who doesn't kiss his rear end. That's what this is about. It's not about the country. Because if this, if this were about the country, you would be looking to get every single conservative person to join you in what you're doing. And if they don't support your campaign right now, hey, I respect you. Let's work together when I become president. That's what a man does. Not a little boy who gets his feelings hurt at every freaking turn. The country is better than this nonsense. I'm sorry that I went on this little rant, Congressman Thomas Massey. This really frosts me. <laughs> Listen. So it's your, your turn. Not, those are your words, not mine. I know they but, are. But let me add a little bit to that. Here's, here's what's particularly galling about it. Number one, um, now Chip Roy and I agree about 95% of the time. And I will, I will tell you right now, there is nobody who is stronger on the border than Chip Roy. <laughs> Chip Roy is like H.R. 2, the signature you know, border security bill that we passed in the House. That was Chip Roy's baby. Like, he's actually trying to do in Congress what Donald Trump promised he would do that Paul Ryan tricked him into not doing. Um, but Chip Roy is doing that. Here's the, here's the other thing. I don't know if you know this yet. So this is going to be particularly funny. I called up Chip Roy. Actually, I texted him last night. And I said, Chip Roy, is, when's your filing primary deadline? And he said it was last week. <laughs> so the funny thing is nobody and and he has no primary opponent the deadline came and went it's already it's, too late it's already too late oh my this gosh is the other typical trump thing like he's blasting somebody calling him a rhino 
for merely because he doesn't, you know, Chip Roy is supporting Ron DeSantis, not Donald Trump. So if you don't support Donald Trump, the, you know, the real estate guy who gave to Hillary Clinton from New York, if you don't support him, he defines you as a rhino. But also, his his attack is ineffective. There's no way to primary Chip Roy. The primary filing date was last week, and because they are happy, I presume, with Chip Roy in Texas, uh, nobody filed to run against him in the primary. It's it's pretty straightforward. The people who know this man, and, and this goes back to Iowa, for instance, people know the Iowa governor and what she has accomplished. And he's, you know, here he's pretty much pronounced curses upon her and said she will never win again. What is this? You know, it's like a scorched earth campaign against everybody who doesn't support me. This, this... By the way, I was just in Iowa Saturday campaigning with Ron DeSantis. We spent 14 hours. The guy is an Energizer bunny. Um, he had been in New Hampshire the day before, and he was going to campaign the next day, and then he was going to campaign for a few more days with uh, uh, Chip Roy out there, and then he was going to take some time off with his family, which he, he deserves. But... What I learned in Iowa is they love their governor. The, the yes. Republicans love their governor in Iowa. They've had, they've had a literal rhino for so many years there that they've, I think, forgot what a conservative governor who fights is like. And she got reelected. She may be the only one in the country who got reelected with as big of a margin as, in a purple state as Ron DeSantis did. They both won by like twenty points in in what has been considered. It's amazing, you know, you know, one of the purple states. I so, want to ask you: We have about a minute left in this segment before we have to go to a hard break. Uh, what do you think of the chances for Ron DeSantis in pulling off an upset in Iowa? Here's what's almost certain, based on what I saw on the ground. He's going to outperform all the polls in Iowa. I think he will, uh, you know, it's likely that, you know, very likely that Donald Trump wins Iowa. I think if he can carry that momentum into New Hampshire, where Nikki Haley has put all of her eggs in the New Hampshire basket, if he can hold his own in New Hampshire after far exceeding expectations in Iowa, I think it becomes a head-to-head between him and Trump. And then who knows what happens between now and the convention or what happens at the convention. Well, this will be very interesting to watch for sure. Uh, Thomas Massey, I just want to thank you again for who you are, for your stand, for liberty. And again, we don't agree 100% on everything, but I love the fact that you are willing to stand on your principles and the times that you have voted all by yourself. (laughs) You've had a whole Congress against you. And you stand firm. Uh, I, that's the definition of a real conservative man, uh, a real conservatarian man. So we very much appreciate you. Listen, measure me by my enemies. Right now I've got Chuck Schumer against me. Um, Liz Cheney, Max donated to my primary opponent a few years ago. And, and, I could, and now I've got Nikki Haley coming against me. Remember, folks, if you weren't, if you weren't listening before the break, she is a brunette, Liz Cheney. Their, their policies are virtually indistinguishable and actually overlap a lot with Hillary Clinton's in terms of uh, 
adversaries to free speech and lovers of war and intervention in foreign aid. Well, uh, I think a lot of people, just so you know, briefly, uh, we've got to jump off here. Uh, A lot of people in South Carolina, quite familiar with her. We have a lot of listeners in South Carolina, and they want no part of Nikki Haley for president. So, uh, Thomas Massey, thanks a lot for joining us on the broadcast again. Always fun, and look forward to talking to you off air again very soon as well. God bless you. God bless you and your listeners, fans. Thank you. Bye-bye. Much more on the Vince Coakley radio program, Transformation Tuesday. Straight ahead. Stay with us. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hour number two of the Vince Coakley radio program. Before we get to Transformation Tuesday, just some comments about this previous hour and the conversation that I have with Thomas Massey. I've said this repeatedly. At the end of the day, it's going to require a whole team of us working together. To if, if we're concerned about saving this republic, if that's really on our hearts, this is going to require a lot of sacrifice, and it's got to be about we. It cannot be about me. I don't care who it is. I do not care who it is. But if anybody makes this about self, and that becomes the focus of attention, that's a presence we can do without. I think it's really interesting. Years ago, I I have a friend who I remember him saying the church is the only army that shoots its wounded. And that's really not true. (laughs) The last few years, I've been watching as conservatives have come under attack. Real conservatives have come under attack, not from liberals, not just from liberals. They've come under attack from cult members and from Donald Trump. And the summation of the reason they're under attack is because they won't bend the knee. That's the reason. I I don't have the patience for any of that at all. You know, I, I was just noticing the other day, people were talking about, it, it, and people keep making reference to mean tweets. I don't give a rat's ass about tweets. I don't. This isn't about tweets. This is about character. Do you want somebody in the White House who lies and slanders people? I don't. I do not. I don't care if it's Democrat, Republican. I don't. Don't want it. It just frosts me when I see good people come under attack. It really does. Especially when you're not the most upstanding of people yourself. It's one thing. And I know we are all subject to error. By nature, we are all sinners at the core. 
But when you don't have any demonstrable focus on pursuing virtue, and you're going to continue to mock and to slander decent people who've been in the trenches longer than you could ever dream of. I just don't have respect for that. This has always bothered me from day one. The idea that somebody can just show up and all of a sudden I'm the star. And all these people who've been laboring before me, oh, they're unimportant. All that matters is me. And I'm telling you, those of you who slavishly support this guy like that and become his attack dogs against people just because he said so, you are just as bad. If you don't push back on this stuff and tell him this is unacceptable, he keeps doing it. This is what concerns me. You folks have created a monster. Sean Hannity and all of these other talk show hosts have created a monster. And it's consumed everything. Anyway, I, I'm concerned about the country. I really am. Because we're not going to, I'll tell you what, we're not going to repair what needs to be repaired with mindsets like this. Because I'm convinced now more than ever, people don't even know what's wrong, much less how to fix it. My friend who says he agrees with me 5% of the time, Keith, happy holidays to you and the family. I don't think there's any answer to securing the border. It's too far underwater. It's like pulling the Titanic from the bottom of the Atlantic. I was at a grocery store last week. I bought TV dinners. The couple in front of me bought steaks with EBT. Then it dawned on me, as it has so many times, who is paying for their steaks? Us. Shaking my head. Peace for the holidays, Vince. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I don't think this is going to change. You think Nikki Haley is going to fix this? And how much confidence you do you have that Donald Trump is going to fix this? With people in Congress like we have? We don't even have a conservative conference. It's a rhino conference with a few conservatives. We're not going to get a control of this stuff. I think ultimately what's going to have to happen, the states are going to have to take this. It's the only way. Sending somebody to Washington, I don't think is going to fix a darn thing. Unless, we, unless we're going to send an army of Chip Roy's and Thomas Massey's and Jeff Duncan's and... Uh, and, and I don't see that happening. Nonetheless, I want to tune all of that out for the moment and turn to Transformation Tuesday. And I can't believe <laughs> my time is already over for the first segment. I promise I will get to Transformation Tuesday after the segment. Also coming up, we will delve into some other important stories, including this trio of respiratory issues 
affecting now the Charlotte area. We'll delve into that coming up. Also, we'll talk about the presidential contest, the problems on the Democrat side, and there are some big ones, especially when most of your voters don't want you to run. Boy, isn't that a surprise? Ha ha. That much more as we continue our Tuesday edition of the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program, 20 minutes after 11 o'clock. I want to remind you, our phone number is 704-570-1110. If you disagree, if you agree, give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. And we engage. We have a back and forth. That is something that I very much value. But it has to be on the facts. I'm not here to pander to anything, anybody. Just focus on the facts. Just the facts. <laughs> Want to go to a post from my good friend Bob Prater. I came across this the other day. I love this. And it's kind of interesting. This is in sharp contrast to all of the combat. And this is where I really, and I know there are people who are going to be ready to curse me after sharing what I'm about to share with you. Because I think Republicans have bought into this idea that we've got to be in 24-7 combat with everybody. It's just not a healthy way to live. And we're kind of focusing in the wrong places. Let me get to this very quickly. The person who wrote this originally, his name is Carlos Rodriguez. I have no idea who this person is. I just know that I appreciate the heart of what is communicated here in these four paragraphs. Bob Prater describes it this way, difficult but wonderful truths from Carlos Rodriguez. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your heart. Wow. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and turn their pain to joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done. I love this on every level. Every level. You know, it's so... evident in our culture is... And, and this, to me, the, the whole idea behind this is, is demonic at its core. But it's everything is, so many things are calculated to undermine our humanity. You notice that? And just turn us into animals. This is one of the ironies of those who believe in evolution, that we just evolved, we're accidents. 
in the process of devaluing human life into just being cells or tissue and that we're on the same level as animals guess what that's what we become <laughs> congratulations I was listening to a program the other day I was out late at night and I was listening to the radio I know it's shocking on public radio of all things and I wish I could remember who it was but it was one of the environmentalist types who was taking issue with Christians because we believe that God has given man dominion over the earth and this person actually stated very clearly that he profoundly has a concern about people who believe in this idea that ultimately it's not good for the earth not good for the planet so in other words they want you to be a person who embraces the idea that you know you're not just a little bit lower than the angel angels you're on the same level as plants and animals <laughs> it's it's really it's ironic that in their effort as much as they try to elevate man what they've done is they've devalued man it's quite amusing but also sad to see what has happened Health-wise, you may have noticed more people are putting masks on again. Charlotte Observer reports another Charlotte hospital announces visitor restrictions due to COVID, flu, and RSV cases. More hospitals, healthcare centers across Charlotte temporarily restricting visitors because of an uptick in COVID-19, the flu, and RSV. Beginning December 19th, which is today... Novant Health Officials announced that kids under 13 are asked to stay home and not visit any of its hospitals unless under special circumstances. David Priest, Dr. David Priest, Senior Vice President, Chief Safety and Quality Officer of Novant Health, says in all the communities we serve, we're observing an increase in flu, COVID-19, and RSV cases. We appreciate the community's help in taking extra care when visiting our facilities this respiratory virus season as we work to protect our patients. Novant Health has not reinstated its mask requirement to protect our patients, so visitors do not have to wear one. However, you're still encouraged to wear one in some situations. People ages 13 years and older who are experiencing flu-like symptoms such as runny nose, sore throat, fever, or cough should not visit patients getting treated at area hospitals. However, people who are seeking treatment at hospitals are not subject to the restriction, but will be asked to wear a mask. Atrium also has restrictions. Novon Health is not the only one restricting visitors. Atrium has temporary restrictions for kids 12 years old and younger in hospitals, behavioral health and inpatient rehabilitation locations until further notice, unless under certain circumstances, visitors are also now required to wear masks when visiting patients in high risk, high risk settings. And again, the concern threefold COVID-19, the flu and RSV. 
I am curious. How many of you have started wearing masks again? There's no mask mandate out there. But I'm curious as to whether some of you are putting those on. I've been to a number of places where I've seen people are wearing masks with more frequency. Is that you? Do you ever intend to wear a mask again? I know for some people, those days are completely over. <laughs> I know there are people who are like, this is not going to happen again. And I fully understand where you're coming from. That was an awful, awful time. I get it. Still to come in the broadcast, we will talk about the blues that people in the White House are singing right now as they look at the poll numbers for Joe Biden. They're horrible. <laughs> that and much more as we continue. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You know, this is not the kind of information you'd want to take into your boss if you are one of the advisors for the president. You're watching the polls. Breitbart reports 54% of Democrat voters want to replace Joe Biden as the 2024 nominee. That's pretty ugly. Democrat Party voters unhappy. President Joe Biden, 81, is the presumptive Democrat nominee to likely challenge former President Donald Trump. This is a Fox News poll. The poll highlights the disconnect and discord inflicting the Democrat Party after Biden refused to step aside and allow a different Democrat to lead the party. The survey showed 54% of Democrat primary voters prefer an alternative to Biden. Just 43% want to keep Biden. Polling showed a slight uptick in negative sentiment against the president. October, 53% prefer an alternative. 45 want to keep Biden. March, 52% prefer an alternative. 45, 44 want to keep Biden. Biden previously told reporters in December he must run for re-election after prominent Democrats implored him to reconsider a second bid against Trump. Would you be running if Trump wasn't running, reporter asked Biden. I expect so, but he's running and I just, I have to run. Boy, that's deep, isn't it? Biden's comment came on the same day he told donors he probably would not run if Trump was not running. If Trump wasn't running, I'm not sure I'd be running. That's what he actually said. I think Democrats cannot let him win. National and battleground state polling shows Biden losing to Trump. Morning consult. Trump leads Biden. Six of seven crucial swing states. NBC News. Trump leads Biden by two points. Fox News. Trump trounces Biden by four points. The poll surveyed registered voters December 10th through the 13th, a 4.5 point margin of error. And one of the big issues floating out there as it relates to Joe Biden is the ongoing challenge of one Hunter Biden and all of his escapades. <clears throat> Former Biden White House Press Secretary, MSNBC host Jen Psaki, 
made an appearance on NBC's Meet the Press. And she had some pretty interesting comments about the news conference. Remember we talked about that last week, about how Hunter Biden pretty much pulled a little bit of a tease. He was supposed to be going to testify in a closed-door hearing. And basically, he did a little news conference thing and announced he wasn't going to testify. He wanted to do this live. Okay. Now, one Republican panelist, Matt Gorman, said of the impeachment inquiry, Republicans need to continue to take their time on this. They need to continue to emphasize this is not articles of impeachment. This is just an inquiry. The biggest difference between now and 98 with Henry Hyde, to your point, Joe Biden is not using this to rally Democrats around him. (laughs) Jen Psaki says, at least not yet. I want you to hear... The comments here from one Jen Psaki about the idea of Hunter Biden showing up as he did and doing his news conference and pretty much the sentiment out of the White House right now is the people around the president would probably prefer that Hunter would just shut up. Listen up. Look, I think if you're sitting in the White House right now, you're like, please, Hunter Biden, we know your dad loves you. Please stop talking in public. Um, This is not helpful to any of them for him to be out there. But at the same time, the president loves his son. That takes precedent over anything else. That is appealing. I'm thinking of the woman in your focus group who talked about family. He loves his son. He loves his family. He's worried about his mental health. But yes, the White House would like him to probably go away right now. (laughs) I'm sure they would love for him to go away. My goodness, what a mess they have on their hands. Quite a terrible mess. One of the other interesting stories floating out there. This has been a trying time for manufacturers of electric vehicles or EVs. Interesting conversation took place on the Fox News channel. And this involved... The host of the broadcast, David Asman, who uh, was talking about the challenges that are being faced by the car companies that are trying to sell these vehicles. Here is that exchange as it took place on the Fox News channel discussing the challenges of selling electric vehicles. It it seems more and more like uh, car dealerships can't sell them. We had a a friend uh, who just tried to uh, have his his dealers were trying to sell him an EV truck, a Ford 150 EV, uh, for 10,000 bucks because he wanted to clear the lot of it. And car makers are losing a lot of money. Ford is losing $36,000 per vehicle. How do you convince, one, the customers to buy them, and two, uh, the car makers to make to to continue to churn them out when they're losing money on everyone they sell. Well, first of all, if you know somebody who's selling a new Ford F one fifty electric for ten thousand bucks, please give me their number. I'll give it uh, to because, you. I'd uh, be happy to. <laughs> that's something I'd love Jeff to know. Jeff Seeker, uh, who's right here, will tell we you. We had, to, um, but yeah, please do. Um, there's about a million dollars uh, in, or sorry, a, a million EVs sailed. That was a new record, and the share of EVs has about tripled. But there's going to be year to year fluctuations, right? A year ago, uh, they couldn't stock them fast enough. Uh, now we're seeing more uh-huh. of those ups and downs in, in yeah. demand. Here's more of that conversation again. This is a conversation with Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg 
And a lot of the point that Buttigieg is making here is these sales of electric vehicles are cyclical. You know, it's it's not a matter of people rejecting these EVs. Um, and one of the points raised by Mr. Asman here is the idea that when the gas prices have gone down, it's had the impact of lowering the demand for electric vehicles. Listen. Yeah, but again, the, the share of EVs has been dramatically increasing every single year, and that's continuing. Now, our goal is by the end of this decade uh, to be about half and half. We think that that can and will happen, but uh, what isn't guaranteed is, first of all, is that EV revolution going to continue to be made in America? During the Trump administration, China really built a major advantage on EVs. Uh, but as somebody who comes from the industrial Midwest, uh, sees uh, how the auto industry creates so much uh, by way of livelihoods, uh, where I come from and really around the country, mm. I'm much more excited about the jobs being created on U.S. soil. And that doesn't just happen. We've got to make sure that the U.S. leads the way as this technology changes. Right. I don't know a lot of people who think that Americans in 2050 are still going to be driving uh, that old technology, that that combustion technology that we inherited in the 20th century. The big question is, uh, well, no, you're you're not going to meet a lot of people who ever go back after they've gone electric. And uh, I think that really tells you something. Right. That shows you that the uh, lower maintenance uh, the fact that it costs less to maintain. All right. Secretary, uh, the fact that I'm they so break down sorry. less frequency and the cost we savings have... that you get uh, by not having to buy gas or diesel. <laughs> you seem a little uncomfortable with this conversation for some reason. I don't know why. But nonetheless, so I'm curious how many of you have joined this bandwagon of buying an electric vehicle or a hybrid. And are you in that category? If you decided, you know, once you've tried this thing, you're like, there's no way I'm going back to this old technology. That's the language they're going to continue to use. The old technology. I believe it was yesterday's broadcast where we shared the breaking news with you about Pope Francis and his announcement about blessing same-sex couples. Dan posted this response on social media yesterday. It's quite interesting to watch Francis dismantle 2,000 plus years of Catholic Church history in order to remain relevant in a collapsing culture. Hashtag frogs in a kettle. Hashtag evangelicals beware. Hmm. What were your thoughts on this? I was quite surprised this did not generate more discussion yesterday. I think once this development takes place, I think the steps toward normalization, I think um, it's only a question of time. Am I wrong about this? Or is this just something that that's the end of the story? I tend to think there will be more. We will find out soon enough. Time for us to take a look at the day in history. Bernie, how are you today? Vince, I'm good. How if are you, you are sir? there. Oh, good. 
doing pretty good, pretty good. How's that Christmas shopping going, by the way? Sorry, I was answering the phone. There we go. I, I think I've gotten to the truth, huh? There we go. Sorry, I had to get a call there. I was uh, just talking to the listeners of WBT. Oh, okay. Understandable. Understandable. Yeah. How is that Christmas shopping going so far? Oh, it's fantastic. Um, I got most of my presents. I was still waiting for John Moore's actually in the mail. I spoke too soon. I thought it was here or uh, going to be here today, but it's not. So it might be a little bit late, but I do have Bo and Beth's and uh, I'm still trying to figure out what you might want for Christmas. Events. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, make sure that's a gag gift for John. <laughs> that's all, That's what he deserves. <laughs> Uh, something to do with natural gas, I'm sure. I was about ready to add that. That was, maybe a propane tank for Christmas. Maybe that's what I'll get. Oh my goodness, it's so crazy. <laughs> Sorry, but we have a, track. no. It's okay. We have a total of nine items here in our look at the day in history. Ninth, seventeen thirty-two is the year Franklin published the first edition of Poor Richard's Almanac. Seventeen thirty-two, long time ago. 1776, Thomas Paine published The American Crisis. Then, one year later, this general led his troops into their winter quarters at Valley Forge. Who was this general mm. who would later become president? Is this General Ford? Oh, I It's don't General know. Washington. Washington, wow. I wasn't even close. General Sorry, Washington. Sorry, <laughs> it's okay. It's your all right. Oh, you're right. How about this one? 1842... This publication, this story, very important for this season, published by Dickens. Do you know what it was called? Uh, would this be... It's oh. right on the tip of your tongue. Yeah, it really is. Oh, it's with Scrooge. It's, yes, I think so. Uh, it's called A oh, Christmas, Christmas Carol. Carol. That's it, Christmas Carol. 1842 is the year. Hmm. 1972. 1917, the National Hockey League opened its very first season. 1973, a Johnny Carson joke about toilet paper shortages causes a run on toilet paper. Isn't that crazy what a show can do? 1974, Nelson Rockefeller sworn in as vice president under this president. Uh, who was it? This is a president. He's the only one who became president and was never elected. Do you know what his name is? Oh, Vince, he, wasn't even, he wasn't even elected as vice president either. It's Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford. Well, there we go. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> I'll bet you'll know this one. This movie opened up in theaters in 1997. It's about a big ship that uh, sunk. Is this the Titanic? The Titanic. Wow, I got one right today. There we go. 1997. Man, I'm old. <laughs> Is that really... It's like that, uh, like that meme. 26 years ago. It's been yeah. 84 years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Scary. And in 1998, this president was impeached by the House, later acquitted by the Senate. 1998. Bill Clinton? That would be... Yeah, it was me. <laughs> it, was, it was me. <laughs> it was a right-wing conservative conspiracy oh gosh i can't do that voice very well <laughs> all right we're gonna have a little fun here at the end this story i've been dying to share with you because this is really off the chain new york post wrote this so don't blame me 
This guy was apparently a bad role model. R-O-L-L. A woman on TikTok shocked and revulsed online viewers after revealing her ex-boyfriend did not use toilet paper, which ultimately led to her dumping him. Alexandra Maria Clara from Tampa, Florida, detailed her fling with a dirty bum in a video with over 900,000 views on the app. In the clip, the dating victim said she'd gone to the bathroom at her unnamed ex-Bo's house and realized he'd run out of toilet paper, or so she thought. Alarmed, the bombshell alerted the wipochondriac <laughs> to the shortage, whereupon he seemingly agreed to remedy the problem. I said, hey, you don't have any toilet paper. He was like, oh, sorry. Okay, it's fine. For the moment, it's okay. I always carry tissues in my purse. She added, I was like, make sure you pick some up when you go to the supermarket. He was like, thanks for reminding me, cool, whatever. Unfortunately, when Clara stopped by a week later, her crusty former flame had still not stocked up on the essential bathroom accessory. Again, she promptly informed him of the issue. He forgot. It wasn't until the pair went to the store to pick up snacks she learned that's just how her boyfriend rolled. Get oh, it? Rolled. Oh, Without toilet paper. Oh, my God. We go to Target. <laughs> hey, we're here. Let's get toilet paper. The man, you know, looks at him and looks her in the eye and says, I'm not going to do that. Why? Standing on his morals. He said, I use wet wipes. Oh. Appalled by his revolting <laughs> habit, Maria Claire inquired what she should use while at his house. Mr. Wrong responded, she should just use wet wipes. Mm. The exchange concluded with the bozo declaring he wasn't buying toilet paper, at which point the fed-up Floridian decided to get her own. And ultimately, she dumped him, by the way. So, what do you think about this? Is that bad to use wet wipes? No, what do you think? I'd rather use toilet paper. Yeah. Well, Just, I, I don't know. To each their own, I guess, right? Yeah, whatever. In this case, she flushed this relationship. <laughs> That's all the time we have. Thank you for joining us. Have yourselves a great day, and God bless you. Adios.